All right, good morning, everyone. As Ian just said on the video, welcome to LifeBridge. Glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us. My name is Pastor John. I'm the teaching pastor here at LifeBridge, and it's my job to kick things off this morning with uh, a welcome, just saying welcome. Part of the reason that we all gather is to worship God together, and Scripture calls us to not give up meeting together, so that's why we're here, in part, is to worship God together in community as a church family. So welcome. If you're looking to get more information or if you just are wondering what's going on here at LifeBridge, my LifeBridge is the place to find all that info. You can find upcoming events, the sermon and devotional audio, and in written form as well if you'd prefer to do the devotional that way. You can give online and you can sign up for email and text updates because as things change, like come fall, Our service times will go back to our 9 and 10.30. Sign up for those email and text updates so that you get those and you know. You can find it all at mylifebridge.church. Thanks uh, for supporting our mission and giving. You can give online. You can give through Venmo or the black boxes on either end of the hallway, out in the lobby or right outside the sanctuary doors here. Your giving, it helps us to meet needs both locally and globally. So out in the lobby on one of those walls, you'll see a list of ministry partners, and our giving helps to support those ministry partners, including the Clue House, who we made a, a commitment to, to help support them. Uh, and Darren and Lindsay, they were here a couple years ago, and they have a, a house in South Africa. We helped them purchase a farm where they have an I believe it's eight children, eight or more children. They have a number of kids that they brought into their home and are caring for them and have adopted those kids as their own, and they take care of them. So it's a great, great ministry that they're doing in South Africa, so your giving helps to support them and helps them to care for uh, their kids, plus to share the love of Jesus with their community. Spirit-Filled Life Conference is coming up August 21st to the 28th, so be sure to put that on your calendar. And as we say every time, don't make this the thing that you come to if you have time. We encourage you to put this on your calendar and make a point of being there. We have 101 courses Tuesday and Thursday where we do Ownership 101 and Holy Spirit 101. If you haven't done any courses yet here at LifeBridge, Ownership 101 is the one to start with. That's where we kind of walk through the big story of Scripture, the gospel, what is it, uh, and our responses to the gospel. And then for this campaign, our new course will be the Holy Spirit 101, which we will talk through who is the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk through spiritual gifts specifically, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And I'll kind of outline all of the gifts and kind of give you a description of them, and then we can talk, have conversation, and you can explore how God has gifted and equipped you for ministry. Then Soul Care is Wednesday night. That's uh, where we get together, we share a meal together, and we worship, we praise together, we pray together. Um, It's just a beautiful time to just be together and to worship on Wednesday night. Child care and food is provided at all of them. And again, put these on your calendar and be there if you can. We'd love to have you. Okay, with that, I'm going to jump into the sermon. So would you guys join with me in prayer? Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are, for your goodness to us. Father, you are, you exist in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. So Lord, we, we praise you for that. We praise you for the work of your spirit, for your personal presence whom you have given us. That God, you, you love us so much that you have given us the gift of yourself. 
And so, Lord, help us to honor you by living in that gift, by being grateful for that gift, and by using the gifts that you have given us for your glory and for the world's good. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, our campaign is called The Spirit-Filled Life. Uh, Living life empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what we've been just exploring is, what does a Spirit-Filled life look like? Uh, If I were to ask you that question, what would you say? Just take a moment and think about it. We're well into this campaign, so I hope if you've been joining us, you have some thoughts on what the Spirit-Filled life really looks like. Uh, In some ways, now we're kind of into some of the more uh, miraculous things that the Holy Spirit gives us. But before that, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, like patience, like (laughs) joy, These things that seem so natural to us, but in the Christian perspective, when we have been given the Holy Spirit of God, we know that these are actually very supernatural, that they're not just simple, natural things that we should all just work a little bit and get better at. No, these are spirit-empowered things that the Holy Spirit of God produces within us as believers. So when we see those qualities and that character within uh, the lives of of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're seeing the Holy Spirit of God at work. These are very supernatural things. It's not just simple. It's not natural. No, this is God at work within us. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how God has gifted us in what Paul calls the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we just simply explored that these gifts are from God, and so they're a gift. Our response to a gift is very different from our response to something that we have earned, I went on my Elf on the Shelf rant, so if you haven't heard that yet, be sure to ask me out in the lobby. I love that rant, and I'll have that chat anytime with you. That's great. All right, so the difference between a gift and a wage. So when we receive a gift, our response is just gratitude and proper use. And so we need to be grateful for the gifts that God has given us, and remember that they are gifts from him, and use them appropriately to honor him. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how in the gifts, there's a great deal of diversity, that God gives us all different gifts. There are different types of gifts from the Spirit. The fruit is singular, remember? So the Spirit of God produces all of the fruit within the believer, and we're all experiencing that same fruit at work within our lives. The gifts, the expectation is different, that we don't all have the same gift from God. And therefore, that produces a good deal of diversity. So again, I'm not going through all of the list of the gifts in the sermon on Sunday mornings. We're gonna save that for the Holy Spirit 101 course. So if you're like, what are all of these gifts that he's talking about? Paul doesn't do an exhaustive list anywhere, but there's a number of them listed in scripture that we'll go through and walk through at the Holy Spirit 101 course. Part of the difficulty in this is that we all have different gifts, like I said, and in the diversity of the gifts, that means that we just see things differently. It's one of the ways of diversity that we talk about within the church. There's lots of other ways that we experience diversity, including our personalities, how we all have different personality types. There's diversity in our ethnicity. There's diversity in our church backgrounds. There's diversity even in our expression of the gifts that God has given us. So today we're keeping this kind of focused on the diversity of the expression of gifts that God has given us. But just to kind of illustrate how we kind of see the world differently, you guys remember this? Oh, this was years ago, right? Broke the internet years ago. 
And uh, it's a picture of a dress. Okay, I, 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 <laughs> I wanted to do this just to see if this is real or not because I don't believe it at all. Um, how many of you guys see a golden white dress? How many, what? How many of you guys see a blue and black dress? What on earth? Oh my gosh. I was gonna, like, I was gonna give an illustration of how you shouldn't respond to diversity. But you all, way more people see the opposite one than I see. I see gold and white every time. Does nobody else? I can't believe this actually works. I thought it was gonna flop, but wow, that's amazing. I thought the internet was lying to me and there were just trolls online. <laughs> That's bizarre. Can you see both now? Did people see both? No? Huh. That thing is for sure gold and white. And anybody who sees blue and black, y'all are nuts. <laughs> okay. What's that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly, I never cared enough. I saw all of these like on, online articles about why we see this differently from a psychologist's perspective. So you can go and Google that. I don't really care. I just think it's really cool that we all see a different, a different color on that. It's nuts. But honestly, I thought it was a scam and I thought it wasn't going to work. But you all just proved that it works. So crazy. So in order to prove my point, like how I just called all of you nuts because you see this differently than I do, that's the problem when we experience diversity within a community, a context, is when somebody just perceives something differently than you do or interprets something differently than you do, then you immediately like, think that they're crazy or you put them in this category or you ostracize them because they just perceive the world in a different way than you do. Now, to be clear here, we're not talking about uh, the essential doctrinal things within the church. Those are the things that we... Uh, we stake our claim on, right? We, we'll die on that hill, on Jesus rising from the dead and things like that, salvation being only through Christ and Christ alone. We're not, we're not talking about that when it comes to diversity, but in other things, we need to learn to have unity in the midst of our diversity. That just blew my mind. I'm like, I'm still reeling from that. That's crazy. Okay, so what tends to happen within the church when we talk about spiritual gifts and the diversity of gifts within the church, and this is a broader trend in the culture, but it's also affecting the church. Perhaps you've heard the, the phrase, the big sort. Uh, it was coined by Bill Bishop, who is a journalist. And basically what's happening in our culture uh, is a lot, conservatives are all moving to conservative districts, conservative towns, or conservative states. Liberals are all moving to liberal towns, districts, states, etc. And so those conservative towns are becoming more conservative, and the liberal towns are becoming more liberal. And the same thing is kind of happening within the church with our differences with the gifts. We, we silo. We tend to just gravitate towards people who see the world the same way we do and experience everything the same way that we do. Because interacting with people who see things differently than you do is a challenge. It's difficult. It's not easy. So when the option to just go and experience a community where everybody sees and thinks and looks the same way you do is very tempting because it sounds easy. It's more simple. There's less tension. So what happens in the church is 
folks who have gifts of like prophecy or healing, which I, I think those gifts still exist. If you have questions about that, you can ask me later. They tend to gravitate towards Pentecostal or more charismatic churches. And then everybody who has those gifts exists in those churches where they experience the, the more charismatic gifts of the Spirit. People who have gifts of teaching, they tend to gravitate to more like Reformed churches or Evangelical Free churches or Baptist churches or other churches where the other gifts aren't expressed quite as much. And the reality is they both need each other. <laughs> the charismatic movement and Pentecostal churches really need people who know how to teach the Word of God and how to teach it well. And churches where they're teaching the Word of God well, they need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through prophecy, through healing and the other gifts of the Spirit. And we're missing out as church communities on the diverse expressions of the gifts and the Holy Spirit at work within our church communities when we just silo and isolate to people who look and think like us when it comes to the expression of the gifts. All these gifts are meant to be active within a local church community. They're all supposed to be operating within the local church. And that's kind of the difficulty of church, is we can't just specialize in one thing. Best business practices would be like pick one thing, get really good at it, and do that well. And that's your church. And you can't do that <laughs> as a church. We can't just be a church that only does evangelism and doesn't care about spiritual growth and long-term discipleship. We can't just be a church where all we do is experience awesome worship services for ourselves where we experience the presence of God and worship, but don't actually care, take care of hurting people throughout the week. That's the problem, is we, we have to do all of these. And we all have different giftings and callings of the Holy Spirit in our life, so we need all of us to be at work, cooperating, working together to do all of these things. And all too often what tends to happen, and I'll talk about this later as well, but the church just tends to adopt the gifting of the primary communicator, which in this case would be me. And my gifting is teaching, so we're in, a danger, we're in danger as a church of just adopting uh, a teaching, a learning, a growing mentally discipleship structure within our church. I'm doing my best to not fall into that, all right? <laughs> so here's what Paul says about it, and here's how we need to, here's how we need to work within all of the giftings of the church together. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Paul's going to use this metaphor of a body, right? Just as a body, though one, so it's one unit, has many parts, we all have different parts that function differently, yet we are the same body, right? But all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Okay, this is, if you're just reading through this really quick, you'll just read right over that. But you would expect Paul to say here at the end of this verse, so it is with the church, right? You expect him to say, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with the church. But he doesn't. He says, so it is with Christ. What Paul is likely getting at here is our, our mystical union with Christ himself as a church. 
So this started for Paul back when Christ first called to him on the road to Damascus when he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I imagine Saul's first thought, Saul's name later became Paul, if you're wondering. Saul's first thought was, I'm not persecuting you, Jesus. I'm persecuting these Christians, <laughs> right? I don't even know who you are <laughs> kind of deal. But no, Jesus identifies with his people. So we have this union with Christ to where Christ, when believers are being persecuted, he can say, why are you persecuting me? And Paul here is hinting at that union by saying so it is with Christ, that we are the body of Christ, that we are in Christ in some mystical spiritual way, that we are in Christ. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Notice the emphasis on unity here. So he's just gone through a list of the gifts, and now he's emphasizing the unity that we should be striving for and what draws us together. We're one body, different parts. We're baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And there he even hints at some of the other aspects of diversity, the other spheres of our identity and who we are that can cause us to uh, drift apart from each other, that can cause divisions in the church. Jews, Gentiles. So your, your, your ethnic identity National identity, slave or free, your economic identity and who you are. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So what he's emphasizing here is that all who believe in Jesus have the spirit of God because we were all given the spirit of God. And as we saw last week, that's the spirit of God who chooses what gifts to give each person. So it's not our choice. So there's no room for us to gloat, for us to be proud, or to demean others who have different gifts in any way. So now he's going to talk to the two different groups. First, he's going to talk to the group who feels as if they have the lesser gifts. And they're like, why didn't I get the cool ones? <laughs> I wanted that one. Why didn't I get that one? Now remember, these are all gifts from God. So they're all miraculous. They're all, even the... the, the the ones like wisdom or knowledge, like they're miraculous, okay? Even though we seem, they seem quite natural. So he's talking to them. He's already flattened the curve, but now he's talking to them again, and he's saying to those who feel as if they have the lesser gifts, he's going to talk to them in these few verses. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Okay, pretty funny to think about. Pretty nuts, right? If the whole body were one organ, it'd be real weird. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Highlight verse 18 if you're a highlighting person in your Bible. So one of the main points that Paul is driving at here is that God has gifted you and placed you right where he wants you to be. It wasn't your choice. God gifted you with that and placed you where he wants you. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. So he's getting at this idea, like just as your body needs different parts to function properly, so the church needs different parts, all functioning in unison to function properly. So now he's going to talk to those who think that they have the greater gifts in the next few verses. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But here it is again, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So what Jesus is, or what Paul is calling us to here is Jesus, Jesus' teaching that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a servant and let God honor you. Because Jesus says that even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Especially the part about if one part suffers and every part suffers with it. We've all had that experience, right? Like my knee hurt this week, and that's all I could think about. <laughs> every step, I'm just like, ouch, why? And I get super frustrated, and that's all my attention goes to is the tendonitis in my knee, and it hurts a lot, and that's all I can think about when it's hurting. Same thing, when the body is hurting, when one part is hurting, that's where the community and we should rally to help them. We all suffer together. We all are honored together. Now, if you are the body of Christ, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So here Paul is again speaking to this identity that we are the body of Christ, that you have this safety, security of knowing that you are in Christ. And you're a part of him. Band, you guys can come and get set up. Oh, I forgot to change that one. Oh, bummer. All right. So anyways, if we want to maintain unity in the midst of the diverse expression of the gifts, we have to remember these two things. One, God has gifted you just as he wanted to gift you. Okay, remember that this is not something that you chose. This isn't something that you can just get the greater ones or the better ones or the less ones. No, God just chose you. You can desire them, but God just chose which gifts to give you. So we have to remember that. So if you have some of the gifts that are more public or visible, uh, like my gift of teaching, for example, I have to remember that to humble me and to remember that I need all of the gifts to be in functioning, to be a functioning church. And then we have to also remember that we all belong to one another. And as a community, again, Paul emphasizes this body metaphor that we identify with Christ, that we are all a part of the body of Christ. So we have to have this concept of us, not just as an individual, me alone on an island, but I belong to you all. We all belong to one another. This is a difficult concept for us to get through our heads in our Western world of individualism, where we tend to think of ourselves as only an individual unit and not as a part of a broader community. But we have to get this concept that we belong to one another, just as a part of your body belongs to the greater whole of you. Let's pray, and we're gonna sing, and I'll come back up and apply it later. Lord, God, we thank you for your teaching of how to be united as one body in Christ. Lord, would you unify us through your spirit? Help us to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit of God within us, individually, as a community. Lord, that we would function according to your will, that God, the gifts of the spirit would be in operation in our church community. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would just call us. 
Lord, those who don't know their gifts and how you have given them, I pray that, Lord, they would experience your presence, experience your power at work within them. They would know, Lord, that you are with them, that you have gifted them in amazing, miraculous ways to do your work in this community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together. If you guys need prayer, Helen's in the back. She would love to pray with you while we're singing. Just head back there. Lord God, we thank you for your spirit whom you have given us. And Lord, as we were just singing, we confess that we need you. We desperately need you, Lord. We need you to confirm our salvation, to know when we are in Christ. We need you to empower us for ministry. Lord, we need you to produce your fruit and character within us. Lord, we need you for breath, for every day. You are our sustainer. Lord, help us to be people who are grateful. We thank you, who recognize that we are so dependent on you. Produce that humility within us, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat for a few minutes here. Here's what I was supposed to write on the last slide, but I forgot. To maintain unity in our diverse expressions of the gifts, we must remember that God has gifted you just as he wanted to. Remember, Paul mentions it in both verse 18 and verse 24. God has put the body together. God has placed the parts of the body just as he wants them to be. And so in a sense, that is empowering to you that God has gifted you and God has placed you where he wants you in the body to use your gifts, to edify the body, to build up the church, to serve and love one another in this community. It wasn't our free choice. God gave it to us. He gifted it to us. So there's also then no room for boasting. So it's empowering. It's also humbling. Because there's no room to boast and to brag and to diminish others who we feel may have a lesser gift from God, which is kind of a crazy idea in and of itself, right? God gifted you through the Spirit of God, his own divine presence living within you, it's pretty incredible. So no matter what the gift is, like, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that the God of the universe, which, man, if you guys haven't, like, look up those James Webb telescope pictures, and you're like, that God gifted you? Like, that God who made all those crazy stars and the billions of galaxies, like, on these pictures you see, like, whole galaxies. It's insane. You can see, like, five of them in one picture. It's nuts. That God, that God with that kind of power who's that magnificent, that glorious, gifted you just as he wanted to. It's an honor to then serve God in the gifting that he has given us. And secondly, we all belong to one another. There are no only brain bodies, right? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. There are no only teacher churches then. 
There's no churches that only should function in learning and growth in knowledge. It doesn't work like that. There's no only hand bodies, so there should be no churches that only do service to others. We need everything, all of the gifts functioning together within the church for us to fulfill the calling that God has on our church. So as I hinted at before, this is a good question for you to wrestle with this week. And today, is, do, first, do you think of yourself in this way? Like, do, do you perceive of yourself as just an individual on an island? Or when you think of who you are, do you think of yourself as also a part of a greater whole, of a community? I think COVID revealed this to us, of just how we are interconnected and dependent upon one another and how we need one another, how when something shuts down, then we're all affected by this. Supply chain issues are still going on <laughs> from that and how connected we are as people. We, we cannot just think of ourselves as an isolated individual and in, as the church especially, just how dependent we are upon one another. And if we're not dependent upon one another, then we're doing church wrong. That's not the way that church is supposed to be. If you're proud of your independence and how you don't need anybody, that's sin. We need each other within the community. If you've never reached out for help to ask somebody to pray for you, to help you when you're in need, that's not something to be proud of. That indicates you're not thinking of yourself as a collective community in the body of Christ. You're, you're missing the big picture of the body and you're just thinking of your individual organ, your individual self. So that's the first thing, is to reflect on that, think about that this week, is am I perceiving myself as a part of a whole, as a body of Christ, or do I just think of myself as an individual? That's where this starts. And then, as we apply this, that if we, I think two things happen when we don't keep these things in mind, and they're both kind of tied into this. Two things happen in the church, and we see the evidence of this in the broader church, especially the evangelical church in America. Two things happen. One is we overvalue the more visible gifts, things like pastor-teacher, like my gift, like the apostle, the evangelist, the prophet. They're more visible and a regular weekly gathering. So we overvalue those. And then the church only becomes those things. And those are like the teaching gifts. Like their function, their role is to teach. And so then the whole church becomes about teaching. And we become just whole brain bodies. Right? And it doesn't work like that. It's not supposed to, at least. We overvalue those and then we end up putting people with those gifts up on a pedestal that they were never supposed to be on. And people in that place are tempted to then diminish or neglect the other gifts as less significant or less important than theirs, which is sin, and has led to some devastating effects with celebrity pastors within the church. And second... That's the application for me. The application for you, <laughs> or if you have those teaching gifts too, that's your application as well. 
Those who don't have the more visible gifts, they tend to devalue their own gifts. It's in part how the church structure has been set up. That we tend to only think of church as Sunday morning experience of of coming here to, to witness us use our gifts and not what happens on Monday and Wednesday of you all using your gifts out in the world and caring for one another. Usually, how this manifests itself is when we tend to devalue our own gifts is that we're just indifferent to it and we just don't think about it. We don't pursue it. It just becomes uh, something that doesn't really matter. And when we do that, we're missing the joy, we're missing the fulfillment, the purpose of functioning within the gifts that God has given you. This also results in an anemic church that, again, functions only in the gifting of the primary communicator. So as much as I can today, what I want to inspire you guys to do is to care. Number one is to care. Like what I referenced last week with Eric Liddell, the runner, who said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. If you've never experienced what it's like to work within the giftings that God has given you, you are missing so much of experiencing God and experiencing the pleasure of God. So if your life just feels boring, if you have this sense of like, ah, just get up, I go to work, I do my nine to five, I come home, I hang with the family, on weekends sometimes I get to do something fun, and I just repeat the cycle again next week. If you just wake up and do the same and you're bored, frankly, if you would describe your life as just kind of boring or mundane, this is the ticket for you. This is the answer. We, we tend to, if you're not passionate about this, you're missing it. And so we tend to divert our passions to things that aren't healthy or helpful for us. We divert them to things like politics. And then there's no unity message within that. It's all conflict and tension and me winning over you. Or we divert it to something as silly and ridiculous as sports. And then when your team stinks and can't find a quarterback, every fall rolls around, you get depressed and you get bummed out, right? <laughs> I'm a Bears fan and it's depressing. It was actually more depressing that Aaron Rodgers re-signed with the Packers, but whatever, it's besides the point. <laughs> we tend to divert our, our longing and our desire and our passion to things that can't satisfy you because sports are stupid, right? It's a game, it's silly. We put too much of our identity and our passion into something like that. When it should be here, when it should be uncovering, discovering how the God of the universe has gifted you to love and serve in his community of faith and to take the gospel message to other people who are hurting and dying. And all of this needs to be functioning within the church. I can tell you guys, like, I've wrestled with this a good bit. Like, my bachelor's degree was in physical therapy. I love physical therapy. I love doing it. What cued me into God gifting me to 
preach the gospel was in my physical therapy class. Like, in college, I had to do all of these classes that had nothing to do with what I was actually going to be doing in my major, right? I had to do, like, chemistry class. I'm, like, in the lab for three hours running something through a centrifuge and uncovering what kind of chemical it is. Who cares, right? How is that going to help me? Whatever. Rant over. Um, all those boring classes. But then I was in the one class that, like, was actually centered on physical therapy, and I loved it. I was so loving this class, I was studying for it, and I just, it filled me up to actually study, which is rare for me, right? But in that class, all I could think about was how I can apply those truths that I was learning about the human body to spiritual realities <laughs> and to teach it. I found myself just sitting listening to the professor only thinking about how I can teach the scripture out of this. <laughs> I was like, hmm, <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> So I ran with it, and I went to teaching. And I still love physical therapy. I still love personal training, which is what I did. I love doing that stuff. It's super great. But nothing compares to when I get to preach God's word. Nothing fills me up like that. And I just want you guys to have that same experience of whether it's showing mercy, caring for people, feeling God's pleasure while you're teaching scripture, while you're talking about God, while you're sharing your faith with somebody, whatever God has gifted you in, just want you to experience that and to know that God has called you to more, to move out of this life of just boring, mundane, punching the clock and doing it again the next day. That's not what God's called you to. He has something bigger, something greater for you, the kingdom work that it may not be full-time ministry, it may just be doing your work with a new framework and a new sense of purpose and finding joy and fulfillment in what you're doing in using the gifts that God has gifted you in. I think one of our misconceptions is that the church, and this is, this is largely on the church, this is not on you guys, this is on us and how we've presented it, is that the church will create some program that's perfectly catered for you to use your gifts at all times and for you to feel fulfilled. And again, this is on us. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's not what we're shooting for here at LifeBridge. It's not our goal to create a program for everyone to use their gifts well. It's not our goal to make it comfy and easy for you. It is our goal to inspire you, to train you, to equip you, to use your gifts to love one another throughout the week, to make meals for each other, to show up and to help when somebody's in need, to call and pray for each other when you hear of somebody who needs prayer. It's our goal that this would just become such a burning passion in your heart that the Spirit of God would just ignite this flame in you that you can't live without it and it's just going to become an organic part of your everyday life. And so our role as a church is to help train you in this, to help teach you with teachings like this, with the Holy Spirit 101 course, but then to not leave you with the impression that we're going to do everything for you and then you can just come and make it comfy and easy and simple and safe 
but to then unleash you to go work in your giftings in your place of work, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, to love one another here throughout the week while you're in communication with each other and serving one another. This is an expectation that I think we need to mature beyond as churches and as believers. And I think it starts with the Holy Spirit of God just igniting a flame, a passion within you for this. That when you're working in this, something just feels different when you're doing that thing. And to explore it and try different things. But my prayer for all of us is that God would just ignite that passion within you. Because again, he hasn't just called you to be a bore, have a boring life. <laughs> he's called you, to, he's gifted you in these miraculous things to do things for him. Even if they seem small, they're miraculous. But you sense God's pleasure, you sense fulfillment, you sense purpose, meaning, and joy in serving him in the gifts that he has given you. So would you guys pray with me? Lord, God, would your spirit just move in our hearts? Those whom you are calling to ministry, Lord, those who are unaware of their gifts, Lord, would you stir something within them? Give them a passion. Bring it to their minds, Lord, the things that they have done that just ignited something different within them, something that they care about. Give them purpose, give them meaning in their day-to-day life. God, do something supernatural within us to serve you, to bring your kingdom here, to live the abundant life that you have called us to. Lord, none of that stuff is boring. And Lord, we repent of so often just being indifferent to the gifts that you have given us, to not pursuing it, to putting it on the back burner and forgetting about it in favor of other things. Lord, we repent of putting our passions and directing them towards things that we know don't satisfy. God, help us to long for you, to serve you in your kingdom, and Lord, to experience the deep satisfaction, the purpose, the meaning of doing what you have called us to, of functioning within our giftings. So Lord, would you empower and equip your people in your church to utilize all the gifts that you have given us, to work together in unison, in love, and Lord, to do the work that you have called us to work of ministry here in Burlington, the work of ministry among one another here. Jesus, it's all for your glory, that you would be magnified, that you would be the one who just looks amazing, that our work would reflect how awesome you are. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing one more song together. As we're singing, if something's stirring within your spirit, would you go receive prayer? Helen would love to pray with you. If not, talk to me after service. I'd love to talk with you further about this. But let's sing one more together.